0: Hey, good morning, and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I am Ken Walls, and I'm your host. And today, like, I'm already getting chills over today's guests, you guys. So number one, do me a favor and all of your friends a favor and share this out because today we have Dr. Fab Mancini on the show. You've seen him on Dr. Phil. You've seen him on The Doctors. You've seen him on Fox News. You've seen him everywhere in media. This guy is amazing. Share this out. We'll be right back. Let's do this. Let's bring Dr. Fab on. Fab, welcome to the show.
1: I'm ready to break some walls. I'm ready to break some walls. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh. I can't believe I have you on here finally. This is amazing. So, um for those that don't know, I just met you a month and a half ago, I think, at Craig Doeswalt's event, which was absolutely amazing. You were amazing. And I'm like, I gotta get that guy on my show. So, Fab, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Uh, You have done such a remarkable job in bringing some great insights and tools that people can utilize to actually break whatever limitations, boundaries, challenges that they're facing. So, I'm excited to see because you know, I love your format that you don't tell me at all what you're gonna ask me. You just <laughs> said be ready and I'm ready for you.
0: Well, I hey, I've seen some of your interviews with Dr. Phil, and, and you're you're an old pro at this, so I don't think I'll be able to stump you. But so no, I mean, look, I started this about four years ago. I was going through a big shift in life and and I, was, I told my wife, you know, I, I think I, I need to hear other people's stories. And, and so it was kind of selfish the reason I started this, but it's been phenomenal. And I can't wait to hear your story. So start with telling everybody kind of a little background where you were born and raised.
1: Well, I know that some of you have noticed a little sexy accent. That, that's from <laughs> Colombia, South America. I was born in a city called Barranquilla. You have to roll the R's Barranquilla Barranquilla. it's interesting because that's the same city that Sofia Vergara and Shakira were born. So it's a city that a lot of people are aware of. And uh, we moved, we're five boys in my family, my mom and dad, and we moved to Miami, Florida when I was 13 years old and, uh, and it changed my life. It opened up a whole world of possibility. And uh, even though it had a lot of hardships in the beginning, it made me realize that for you to really appreciate uh, what you gain, uh, sometimes you have to struggle a little bit. And coming to the United States, I was set back two years, Ken, in my elementary school because I didn't speak a word of English and there was no English as a second language school. Uh, But then that gave me the opportunity to be more disciplined in my studying. That gave me the opportunity to actually become a great student, and I graduated from high school with a year and a half of college and top of my class. So those are the things that sometimes, you know, when you're facing adversity and the wall that is facing you right now, you break through it by learning to understand that every wall you have in front of you is actually a gift in disguise to help you discover the better version of yourself.
0: And, and you know, and we're going to get into that, but it's it sometimes, I think, at least for me in the past, it's, it, it, you may have that understanding or knowledge, but it's sometimes for me, it's been difficult to, to, to maintain and, and go, okay, I, I gotta, I gotta remember that this is a gift. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a gift, but it's a gift right so so when you when you moved to Miami, I can't even imagine moving to a country where you don't even speak the the language and and the and, culture
1: very different culture, you know uh, yeah yeah
0: so so through high school, did you play sports did you did you
1: <clears throat> so this is what I've learned. there's a couple of things that I discovered early on in my life that uh, sports, especially in school, is one way to connect with people. And because I was an avid soccer player uh, in Colombia, that that's all we play. You know, we're born and we only play soccer. There's <laughs> nothing else. Uh, I started playing soccer and actually was very good at it and became captain of the team. And all of a sudden that gave me a platform in my elementary school. And then I went to high school and then I was introduced to football, American football, and I realized, oh my gosh, you know, let me see, I'm very fast, let me try to running back. And I got hit one day in practice, and I (laughs) said, no, that's not for me. So I decided to become the kicker and the punter. As a freshman, I was playing in the varsity team, and I won a lot of games kicking, so that gave me another platform. So yes, sports and a uh, a lot of activities, like I ran for student council, and a lot of uh, activities for the community. I'm a big believer that we need to give to our communities. We need to serve our community. So I would volunteer for the Special Olympics and for uh, feeding the hungry and many other activities as a high school student. And you know what I didn't realize is that all of that really prepared me to get accepted at a really good pre-med school where I wanted to study uh, medicine. And, uh, and they looked at my background and, and I remember my counselor saying to me, we are accepting yours. They only took 27 students in this program that I got accepted in the whole nation. But wow. if you made it through, you got accepted at any medical school that you wanted to go to. And the, I remember the lady that accepted me, she was a PhD, her name was Sister Clodovia Lockett. And she said to me, what was the most impressive about reading your background is the fact that not only were you a good student, you also balanced. You play sports, you did community service, you were involved uh, in activities of the school. And that's wow. what we look for. We look for well rounded individuals. And that's something that a lot of young kids today tend to forget that they think it's all about themselves and it's all about the clicks and it's all about, you know, maybe only studying but you gotta have a little bit more than that to actually really be successful.
0: Now, did you, and this might be a bit of a rhetorical question for me, but did you come from, did your family have money? Did you, did, were they, were you well off or or no?
1: You know, I, I did come from two families that uh, had money. Okay. And then uh, but that money caused my father to be disappointed. He had to work for his father. And he wasn't happy. So he mm-hmm. became an alcoholic. And mm-hmm. that was very difficult for us because yeah. as a young child, it doesn't matter how beautiful your house is and your environment and your cars. Uh, if you don't have access to your dad, if you don't have that balance, mm-hmm. uh, none of that meant really anything. So we moved to Miami so my dad could get sober. And it worked. And he did a six-month treatment, and he never drank for the remaining of his life. Um, And then the other thing that my dad taught us was that the key to success, like his father was very successful. My mom's father was very successful. They said it's because they chose something they were passionate about. So he Mm. encouraged all of us five boys not to select a career, for how much money can I make on a yearly basis? Select a career that you have something burning in your stomach, burning in your gut that says, I have to do this. And for me, that was health and well-being and prevention. And that's the reason I became a doctor of chiropractic and then later on an acupuncturist and energy medicine and nutrition. And in that space, I've been over 30 years contributing at high levels. But it was because that burning desire has still not left me. Yeah, And we're talking about over 35 years. I wake up every day feeling that desire that I want to serve the health of humanity like never before, especially during this pandemic. So uh, the money was there. But also my parents made us realize uh, because there was a lot of fighting in the family for money, especially when my grandparents died, uh, they made us realize that the unity of the family is more important than any money that you have so that we needed to stay together and still, my brothers are still my best friends in my life. Uh, And the second lesson is that the money that you require to live is not much. Now the money that you utilize for the benefit of others, that's the reason that why having money should matter. So I tell a lot of people, you may not think that maybe making over $100,000 is necessary, that's fine. But why not make a million dollars for the sake of contributing to those causes that you believe in, contributing to be able to support those around you that could benefit from you. And that's where the joy of philanthropy comes up. And what I notice is that when you do that, your self-esteem grows so much that you can't help but attract more abundance in your life.
0: Amen, I love that, that's so true. So so what about, I, I've heard people say, um, you know, to make more money, you don't have to love what you do. And I i mean, I agree. There are things you can do to make money that you, you hate doing. But long term, it doesn't seem sustainable.
1: That is, you know, it's so funny that you mentioned that. I, I've been very privileged to have interviewed a lot of millionaires and billionaires. And I asked them questions like that. Yeah. And I ask them questions like, what has money made, meant for you, for your family, et cetera? Yeah. And what I've learned is that you can make money hating your job. There's people out there making money every day hating their job. They just get up and do it, and they're miserable. You know, <laughs> when I interviewed a lot of the surgeons that I was going to become a neurosurgeon, they did not like their job. They were just waiting to uh, retire and be able to just play golf. And I didn't want that. I wanted a profession that I still wanted to love and passionately do until I die. That was my my goal starting out. So I think that loving and having passion, those two things for you that are very unique. The first one is that it makes you find energy within yourself, motivation within yourself that allows you to succeed more than if you don't have that. Because having success is not easy. It's actually difficult. If not, everybody will be successful. But when you love what you're doing, it doesn't matter how long of a night you've had to work. It doesn't matter how late you stay up. It doesn't matter what difficult challenges you face every day. You realize it's just an opportunity to get up and do it again. Get up and do it again until it gets easier. And some people, it never gets easier, but that's the fun of it. You realize that it's not what's happening that defines you. It's how you respond to it. So that's wow. the first one. And the second one that I find, you talked about the word sustainability. Yeah. I find that a lot of people destroy their own success when they are not passionate about their work because then they go into what we call addictions, overeating, uh, overdrinking, maybe over sex, you know, all of those things because they're looking for Something to fill a void. And what I found is that no matter what my personal life was going on, Mm. my career, my professional life has always been extremely fulfilling. And that is a blessing because I don't see a lot of people that sometimes can say that because they chose something that they thought they were going to get richer, you know, instead Mm. of truly understanding that it's in the journey that the happiness comes in, like Freud used to say, it's in the journey of working. It's inspiring yourself to pursue some success that the joy comes. It was, is never really in an arriving and because once you arrive at it, you're like, oh, I made a million dollars. Okay, what yeah. changed? Oh, I made $10 million, what changed? Yep. What changes is your pursuit every day, how you feel every day about what you're doing. And I think having passion for what we do makes that step much easier.
0: Wow. <clears throat> so agree with you. So, so go back to to when you were making the decision um, to pursue a medical career. You could have been a neurosurgeon. You could have been a, a, a an orthopedic surgeon. You could have been, I mean, all these things and you chose um, chiropractic, which oftentimes people have a bad view of for whatever reason, right? So Um, talk a little bit about what made you decide that chiropractic is the way and not all of this other mainstream uh,
1: medical stuff, I guess. You know, it's interesting you ask me that. So before I graduated from pre-med, I was involved in a car accident and I ended up in a hospital that I had actually done a rotation in. The waiting list, I mean, the waiting time for the emergency room was over four hours. So I called one of the orthopedic doctors that I learned, that I met while Mm -hmm. I was working there. And I said, can you come down and help me speed up the process? And he said, yeah, I'll be right down. He came down and he took a look at me and he said, you know, Fab, I can give you muscle relaxers. I can give you painkillers, but you should really go see my chiropractor. Now I never heard the word chiropractic. So I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a specialty of medicine. Uh, He called that from the hospital. The doctor, i never forget, his name was Dr. Stephen Benthel. He accepted me that afternoon and said, like, I make room for you this afternoon if you can make it. And I said, yeah, please. I'm in a lot of pain. So I'm sitting in that office and I realized that the people in that office were actually there for different reasons. There were some people there for back pain, neck pain, headaches. Other people there because they couldn't get pregnant and they had infertility. Other people there had asthma and allergies. Other people there had issues where they were not metabolizing their body, their food properly. So they were dealing with a lot of obesity. And I'm saying to myself, how can one provider help so many people? And that's when the doctor Mm. came to me and said, these three things can, and this changed my life. He said, in chiropractic, we focus on three things. Number one, reminding you every day that the body has already been created to be a healing mechanism, a healing organism. Your body is designed to heal itself Mm. number two we have 11 systems in the body cardiovascular system immune system muscular system you know uh, respiratory system but there's one system he said controls and regulates everything and that is your nervous system and i said oh my god i love the nervous system that's why i want to be a neurosurgeon he says well the nervous system is the one that controls your heart your kidneys your muscles So when we work with your nervous system by giving you gentle adjustments, you're gonna see that the rest of the body has a greater ability to heal. And then lastly, he said, what we do in chiropractic is that we focus not on managing your symptoms, that's traditional healthcare. We're gonna focus over 80 or 90% of our time in finding the root cause of your health problem. Now for you, it may be whiplash, but little did he know that I was suffering with allergies. I was suffering with getting colds every three or four weeks. I was suffering with a lack of properly sleeping. So after a few weeks of care, I was feeling so good, I decided to interview over 62 chiropractors. And that's when I fell in love with the profession. That's when I fell in love with the mentality, the mindset of it, of inspiring people to take control, take charge of their health, because health is a choice, instead of Putting that responsibility on pills and potentially unnecessary surgeries, which is what, unfortunately, most people deal with every day. Full body chills. Full body chills. <laughs> that, that, that you. Uh, wow. It feels like cryotherapy, right? It's <laughs> like we're standing there feeling that chill, feeling good. That is it's
0: going to help us i'm telling you i i this so and i agree with everything that you're saying um and uh, sidebar that i i had a back injury i i at l4 l5 and went to um a I went to a surgeon. What kind of surgeon? I forget. Um, Orthopedic surgeon. Yes, probably. Yes. And and he said, and I was 21 and he said, I'm not, I'm not going to, I can't, I'm not operating on you. You need to go see a chiropractor. And I said, what? And I went and saw a chiropractor and man, it changed my life. So I totally, totally agree with everything you just said. So, so when I mean, I, I'm going to fast forward because I know you have, um, you're on Fox News after this. I, I mean, I can't believe that they would interject into our interview, but I'm kidding. <laughs> I um, can
1: cancel. I can <laughs> call them up and say, hey, I got Ken <laughs> Walls right here. I cannot do anything else right <laughs> <You> now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I can't allow that. So, so you, you, um, you. You ended up, so you went to chiropractic school, and what, what college did you go to?
1: Parker University here in Dallas, Texas.
0: Okay, so you went to Parker, um, you came out, and um, your first day out of chiropractic school, Dr. Phil called you and said, I want you to be on my show. Is that how it happened?
1: <laughs> no, actually, uh, I was. that was a little bit later. Initially, uh, I went to Belgium-Europe. Uh, to practice for a year. And they paid me a lot of money. Uh, It was the biggest practice in in Europe at the time. And the owner was a doctor chiropractic, a lady uh, from Iowa. And she wanted to bring her family, her husband from Belgium and her five children to Iowa to get to know her family here in the United States and for the kids to learn English. So they paid for me to stay there. And then my permit, my work permit ran out and I had to come back. Mm. And when I came back, I came, I came to my mentor, Dr. Parker. And imagine this, Ken. I was getting paid at that time, 1990, $10,000 cash every month, working six hour days, three days a week. Oh okay. Dr. Parker, yeah. a year later, Dr. Parker says to me, what are you going to do next? And I said, I'm going to go to South America. I'm going to expand chiropractic all over Latin America. And he says, you're not ready for that. Why don't you come work with me? And I said, Well, what can I do for you? He said, Well, I'll make you director of admissions and assistant to the president. And I'm like, Okay, and what does it pay? Well, I'll pay you a thousand dollars a month, no benefits, working 16 hours a day, seven days a week. (laughs) And I did that for two and a half years. Oh my god. I told them the only reason I'm doing it is so I can be in your space, I can learn from you. He was the most influential person in our industry at the time. And I'm telling you those two and a half years paid off because when I opened my practice, my first year, we did over $800,000. And that is very high for a doctor of chiropractic in their first year out of school. And it was because I learned so many lessons from this man that I knew how to make good choices. And so I tell young people, get a mentor. Yeah. Get somebody that can teach you. Even if they can't pay you what you're worth at the time, get as much as you can and when you feel ready, go out there and do it on your own. And that's what I told my children, that's what I told myself. And now, you know, as you know, I mentor about 67 CEOs and high-level entrepreneurs, some yeah. of our NFL prayer players and others. Yeah. And the reason I do that is because I realize that when somebody has been where you want to go, they can accelerate that process so much faster. And all they need to do is share with you that roadmap. So you get in a GPS system that is going to get you to that destination without going through all the roadblocks and all the highways, traffic, and all the things that are going to keep you from arriving to where you want to go. So imagine that Dr. Parker meant to me. Now, uh, forward the clock, 10 years later, he passes on. And the board comes to me and says, well, Dr. Parker said you were the one to replace him. Now, that's the most influential role in the whole industry because we were president of a university. But also he had Parker seminars and Parker products, which were the two biggest entities in the profession. And I was 31 years old. I said, no, I'm not ready for that. I'm enjoying my practice. I was very successful as a practitioner. And then they talked me into doing an interview with one of our board members. And you know who that board member was? It was uh, Gil Brandt. And I don't know if you know about football and the NFL, but Gil Brandt is considered the number one picker of the NFL for many, many years. He's in the Hall of Fame also of the NFL. And he was the board member. And he talked me into a two-hour interview to drill me with the questions of what would I do so he can select the proper person that they had already interviewed. Well, they wow. called me two days later and said, you're the only person that can do it. Uh, can you do? be there Monday morning? No discussion of salary. I just thought I'll do it as a part-time job. Well, six months later, I realized I had not been in my practice one time because the school took everything I had to lift it up again, to make it profitable, to bring the energy to the students that they were missing when Dr. Parker passed away. Wow. And then I saw my practice. And I went full force into that role for 13 and a half years. And we broke records in education. And we went from one degree to now we're 35 degrees in healthcare. And uh, it, it's just wow. such a beautiful story because it made me realize that I wasn't looking for becoming a president of a university. I went from healthcare to education, a whole different industry. Sure. But when God gives you an opportunity, understand that you were meant to deliver on it. I don't believe opportunities come to people when they're not ready. You always are the ones that talk yourself out of the opportunities in your life. I can show you example after example of that. So I've learned very early on that when an opportunity comes, don't fight it. Just accept it. When Dr. Phil called me then, after I retired from Parker, I wrote a book, and he's like, you've been my doctor for many years, why don't you come to my show and let me tell the world what you've done for me? I could have said no. Oh, Dr. <laughs> Phil, you're the number one show in the United States daytime. You have 18 million viewers. I don't feel ready. Yeah. I didn't. I said, well, Dr. Phil, if you feel that I'm ready, I'll be there in Beverly Hills. So he put me up in Beverly Hills and I uh-huh. did the show. And He was so kind to me. He says, don't mention your book. Let me do that. I'll promote your book. I'm just going to ask you some questions. And then during the, la- the show, the taping, he actually brought in a patient. And then he said, well, Dr. Fab and I are going to help you solve your problem. Oh. And even to this day, that patient recognizes the power of what I said in that show and, and, the, and, and the, how his life was completely transformed by wow. the lessons that I was teaching from what I wrote in that book called The Power of Self-Healing and became an international best selling book all over the world. And I'm still lecturing of it 10 years later.
0: That is so incredible. And you've been on Dr. Phil several times yeah. now. Like. Um, and and then it
1: was the doctors and the then Fox doc- News yeah. and then CNN. And then it's interesting because I have this sexy accent and I speak perfect Spanish. All the Spanish media made me their healthy living expert. So I'm the Spanish wow. doctor for Telemundo, Univision. Televisa, and CNN Español, all the major networks. And I can be in those shows as many times as I want to. And now I'm actually doing a pilot for Telemundo and and Universal uh, because uh, I came up with the idea of doing a TV show that is a lifestyle show in English and in Spanish. It's never been done by one host ever in the history. But because Universal owns NBC and they own Telemundo now, I when I go here in Dallas and I go to the, their studios, if I make a left, I'm doing NBC News. If I make a right, I'm doing Telemundo News. So I said wow. to myself, why not create a show that is culturally right with one host that can uh, manage both languages and make it a lifestyle show? So we're doing the pilot next month here at the Jeff Creeley Studios. We have beautiful studios here in Dallas wow. Wow. And, uh, and we're going to send it to them and we're going to film four in English and four in Spanish, and we're also going to have a live audience, uh, so it's going to be very exciting uh, opportunity to see what happens uh, with these shows, and i already putting all my lineup of people that I'm going to interview, very exciting.
0: I, 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 it's rare that I'm left speechless, but like, you, you're just a, like, you're just, nothing stops you, not, like, you're just like, I, and I love that about you. You and I've had several different conversations now and on zoom and, and, um, I, I will say this, I look at you as a mentor now and, and I, I like, you know how to go deep and, and I don't know how else to say that, you know, how to, to dig into somebody's Unconscious mind and pull out the stops and 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 I love that about you. I really do you 've got my wife and I thinking on a whole different level
1: man <laughs> like it 's incredible and, you know, and, Ken, the reason that I feel that i 've been affected because some of the people that that come to me they 're you know making twenty forty million dollars a year. I have the billionaire right now and multiple millionaires and I think it's because I've been there. They yeah. can relate to me. Uh, I, When I speak, I'm very authentic. Like, you know, when you and I have our conversations and I'm very vulnerable, I tell you, hey, I've been there. I know what it's like to, uh, you know, have a mistake happen that is very yeah. costly. I know what it's like to be betrayed by a business partner. I know what it's like to uh, uh, be able to uh, think that If you make a decision or an investment, the return is going to be great. I've been there. Now, a lot of things that I also have mastered is the fact that life is a balance. So in my brand, I call it the Fab Life because I want everybody to create their fabulous life. I just play with my name, but I want everybody to create a fabulous life because, you know, in life, I realized, especially during the pandemic, that over 70% of the people, according to uh, research, disengage or, disengage or do, dislike their jobs, over 70%. That means that oh. people go into work with an attitude that they don't even want to be there. So how productive are you going to be? So yeah. I, yeah. the reason that I, I enjoy the, the mentorship is because it gives me an opportunity to remind somebody what I had to discover the hard way and to hopefully stop their pain by reminding them Hey, you got this. Just put yourself out there. So, when you say, you know, uh, you just go for it and you're doing all of this, it's because I live with a sense of urgency. I, I told you that I almost died when I was 16, and I live every day like if it's my last day. It's one of the principles, core principles that I teach that when you live in the moment, there is no tomorrow, there is no yesterday. So, you stop beating yourself up for what you did yesterday. And you stop dreaming about what you want to have tomorrow. You only have today. So what are you going to do? Who are you going to see? What are you going to invest your time with? If you only have one day to spend with your loved one, what are you going to tell her? What are you going to tell him? Are you going to make love to them or are you going to waste another day, right? Wow. If, you're going to, if you have a business, are you going to appreciate those employees that are helping you every day be successful? Or if you're an employee... Appreciate your boss, the person that gives you the opportunity to earn a living. Or you're going to be able to show yourself and and just occupy space for that day. So that principle has taught me not to be afraid, Ken. And that's really the bottom line. Don't be afraid to make choices. You know, I told you that my dear friend, Bob Proctor, and we lost him. You know, Bob and I have been really good friends for 20 something years. And we've lectured together many times. And Bob, I asked him one time. Bob, of all the teachings that you have taught, what is the number one thing that you think has kept people from truly succeeding? And I tell you, his answer completely surprised me because I thought he was going to say, you know, they don't believe in themselves, they don't try this, they don't that. What he said is an indecision. He says, in my years of experience, what I realized is that people do not make decisions because they don't want to make mistakes. They don't want to look foolish. They don't want to lose the little money they have in savings. But he says that every decision reinforces your certainty level to understand that you are a decisive individual. You are a decisive individual. That means that when things come your way, you're going to make quick decisions rather than, oh, let's see how this pans out. Oh, let's see how bad it gets. Oh, let's see, like when the pandemic was happening... I was telling my clients, oh, it's about two weeks. Go take a break. And then when I started calling my influencer friends, my mentors, my people, they were like completely pivoting, like, oh, my God, if this is happening, I got to do this. I got to do that. Like for me, you know, one of my companies is public speaking. I do 70 lectures a year. So from March 1st, everything got canceled for the rest of the year. And I'm saying to myself, well, that's a big chunk of income. What do I do? So then I call a friend of mine, Dr. John D. Martini. He speaks over 322 days a year. He's the i one I've speaker that I know in the world. He's That's amazing. days. And he wow. does three to four lectures that day. Wow! He is phenomenal. And he says, oh no, Fab, I started doing everything on Zoom. I started telling the companies, no, have the seminar. Let's do it virtually. Even when nobody was talking like that, he was like pivoting. And then he said to me, do not reduce your fees. You're worth a lot more than that. You bring value to those people and they need it more today than ever. In fact, they should be paying you a bonus because right now this message that you bring is more important to them than ever. And he brought that certainty level to me. And and what I realized is that influential people, successful people are decisive people they make decisions and they don't worry about the outcome. They make decisions. If the outcome turns out great, you keep going. If it doesn't turn out great, you learn from it, you make another decision. You learn from it, you make another decision. And that was probably one of the greatest lessons that Bob Proctor ever shared with me.
0: That is so powerful. A- absolutely so powerful. I. What's interesting is I literally thought about, it was maybe six months ago, I thought, I'm going to write a book about making a decision because I, I may, I just go like it, it, if it's sometimes it's no, I can't do it like that. Right. Like sometimes it's no, and that's okay. That's a decision, but make a freaking decision at least. And it drives me crazy. A question. Cause you said something about making love to your partner. Are you going to be able to talk about that on Fox news?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Only in the evening news. <laughs> Not in the 12 o'clock news, but the (laughs) evening news, maybe they'll get a glimpse of that. I'm just playing. I may even show some graphics actually if I'm in the (laughs) mood.
0: Oh my gosh. You gotta have fun.
1: You gotta have fun, Ken. I I totally agree. Every day should be joyful. Every day should be at peace. Uh, You know, right now, worry, anxiety, depression has taken over the mental health problems of the world. and uh, and I feel for people. And and my message to you is, hey, you're here. Focus on this moment and focus on what you can be rather than so much what you can do. Even if you can't do what you were doing before the pandemic, focus on what you can be. You can always be better. We all can be better. Even if it starts mentally setting the framework for you to recognize that there's more potential for you look at the people that visualize every day and they create and manifest beautiful things look at the people that make commitments right they sell a program they haven't even created why because they realize that hey when people start paying i better push myself to make it happen because yeah. i got to deliver in 2 weeks so be don't be afraid be be yourself and be and understand and also surround yourself with people that are positive and constructive. If you keep surrounding yourself with the naysayers and the people that are always blaming everybody else for their misery, that's what you're gonna become. Yeah. Because I, I remember, I never forget, I was very gifted to meet Jim Run in the early days. Wow. It, this was 29 years ago. Wow. And, and Jim uh, taught me a great lesson that he said, You know, Fab, if there's one thing I want you to walk out of this program with is the five people you surround yourself with is who you become. Be selective. So you think right now, everybody that you saw today, right, write their name down and then ask yourself, do I really want to be like that person? And if it's not, scratch them and don't make another appointment the next day. Now, the best lesson, make a list of the people that you really would like to be more like and engage them. Hey, can we get on a Zoom call? Do you mind if I take you out for some coffee or some tea? Uh, do you mind if I go to lunch with you or breakfast or dinner? I'd love to be able to uh, pick your brain and ask you some questions. That's what I do. Even yeah. when I was in my 20s, I'll never forget, you know, that people were telling me, how come all your friends are 60 years old and above? <laughs> and this is what I said, Ken, yep. because I can't relate to the people my age. Yeah. I can't. I wasn't thinking as a 20-year-old. I was thinking as a 60 to 70-year-old because I realized that I wanted my life to mean something. And the only thing that brings significance to your life is the level of contribution that you give to others. So what is it that you want to do right now? What value do you want to bring to others? And that determines your worth. That determines your worth. How many
0: you know, I, you know, this, I, I meditate every day of my life and, and I, it's the most, it's a non-negotiable for me. Right. And, and my question for you, cause I've studied a lot of Joe Dispenza stuff and, um, you know, and, and, and I think that my question would be, how many people do you see that are, um, How do I word this? That come to you or you've seen over the years that are in a health crisis because of a mental condition
1: and you know it's a mental condition. So one of the things that I did in my book, The Power of Self-Healing, is that I interviewed over 50 people that were told they couldn't heal through traditional methods. Mm -hmm. And as I interviewed them, I started discovering a very interesting uh, fact, and that a physical ailment, let's take heart disease for instance, may have an emotional cause or even a spiritual cause, not a physical cause. Many of us as doctors, we assume that the reason they're having a heart attack is because they're not eating properly and not exercising enough and having tremendous amount of stress in their life, right? That's typically what we think. But what I find is that when we go deeper and when we ask the individual, is there something going on in your life, in your personal life, during the time that they started? Is there something that you've been embarrassed to tell a doctor that you feel may be contributing to your cause? And I'm telling you, I have had people after people come up with solutions uh, and causes that had nothing to do with their physical body. I'm gonna give you an example. So I had a lady that came to me that was the wife of a student uh, while I was president of Parker. And she said to me, you know, I need to set up an appointment with you. And I said, oh my gosh, you know, I wonder what happened. So she came and uh, she asked her uh, fiance at the time to to wait outside. So I said, how can I help you? And she said to me, well, Dr. Fab, I've heard your lectures. I I, I understand that you really uh, are very good at identifying what may be causing my health problem. And her problem is that she was having a tremendous amount of headaches Muscle tension, and also her body was getting full of hives and, 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 and rashes. And, and she had been dealing with that for quite some time. So then nothing would help her. She had gone to dermatologists. She had gone to medical doctors. She had gone to all kinds of people. And part of me, because I asked that question, I said, is there something that you haven't told anybody? Is there something that you feel was happening around that time? that actually could have contributed. And she took a pause and she broke down. Mm. I mean, Ken, I still remember that day, like if it was yesterday. She looked at me and she says, when I was 16 years old, my father was an alcoholic. He drank too much. He came into my room and he raped me. Uh. He got up, went back to his room and He, we never talked about it again. I never felt comfortable sharing it with my mom. I never told a soul. Wow. She says to me, I have been close to getting married two times before this one. And I've always walked away because I don't feel that I'm going to be the person that they think I am. So she says, I don't want to lose this guy. He's amazing. He's one of the greatest guys. And I'm tired of being sick. I'm tired of getting these headaches. And I said to her, okay, why don't we do a very simple exercise? And this is a great exercise that I've used before. I said, well, your dad passed away. Uh, I think she told me about five years before then. I said, one of the things I've learned is whether the person is alive or not, why don't we close our eyes, take a deep breath, and let's go back to the last time you saw your dad. He said, well, he was in a hospital bed. He was dying. He had cancer. And I said, okay, great. Let's, uh, let's go there. And I want you to kind of gently sit next to him. I want you to look into his eyes. And I want him to open his eyes and see you. And what I want you to do is tell your dad what you want to say. Tell your dad if you really want to forgive him. Because forgiveness is the only way to release a past trauma. It's the only way I found. It's through forgiveness. Wow. So she went through the emotions. She told dad, I don't know why you did this. Dad, uh, I forgive you. I should have come up to you. I should have talked to you about it. I should have talked to mom about it. I'm a wreck because of it. Anyway, she went through that exercise and she walked out of my, my, my office, a different person. So then she calls me two days later and she says, Dr. Fab, I'm not having any headaches. My skin is clearing up. He said, Dr. Fab, I actually feel now that I can get married to this person. Wow, and she gets getting stronger a month later. Almost no symptoms in her body after she'd been suffering for years, and her relationship was so much better with that individual that she got engaged with. And what I've learned is this there are many of us that are allowing a, a, a bad traumatic experience, whether it was your father, your mother, your teacher, it was your pastor, your priest, it doesn't matter. You're allowing a traumatic experience that happened long time ago, and yeah, maybe you were a child, and yes, maybe you were not in a position to defend yourself and protect yourself, but you're an adult right now. You can make a choice right now to let that past experience go so you can move forward because if you don't let it go, it's very difficult for you to move forward, and guess what? What we don't release from our past, we tend to attract into our future, Mm. and that's already been proven by science. So you have to release the past, forgive yourself. Very important to forgive yourself, forgive the circumstances, whatever happened. My dad, my mother didn't believe in my goals. They told me I would never amount to anything. They kicked me out of my house when I was 16. You know, I was raped or I was abused. So whatever the cases may be, that record player is playing in your mind 90,000 times a day. That's what the new science is telling us. And you're repeating that record again and again to the point that you can't move forward. So wow. you have to go back, release it and be able to move forward with action that is opposite to what kept you in the past from doing something and that is really a beautiful formula.
0: I think I think we need to do a show together. <laughs>
1: Are like, uh, we becoming the can and Fab show every day? <laughs> Breakthrough through your walls. Uh,
0: dude, i, I you, this is unbelievable. This my wife's on here and she said, best interview. Period. That's it. So Fab, you are absolutely amazing. And I'm being very conscious of time as well. We're good. Um, so so it, I always ask a couple of questions. I, I think you already covered this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, and that is, what do you think um, holds people back in life? The What's the top number one thing that's holding people back from real financial success and freedom and happiness? And I do think they're related because I've been broke and I've yeah. been wealthy and wealthy is better.
1: So I think it's uh, a understanding of a success formula that is erroneous. For years, people have thought that to be successful, I must have, I must have money, I must have people that I know, I must have supporters, I must have an office, I must have a computer, I must have this, I must have that. So I can do, so I can be, Mm. right? And what I learned early on in my life is that it's totally the opposite. True successful people are being, all the time, even if their lives does not reflect their being, they're being, they're acting like if they already achieved what they say they're pursuing. So if you I like when I go to corporate America and I give lectures and I have a male clerk saying, you know, I I, I you know I, I'm stuck in this job, but I'm not able to get a raise and uh, I think I'm gonna just quit. And I say to you, I said, well let me give you the formula. You know, if you start being a little bit more, why don't you start being like your supervisor? What is he doing that you're not doing? Mm. How does he wake up every day? What responsibilities does he have? What does he do on a daily basis that allow this organization to succeed? Maybe go a little higher than your supervisor. Go into his supervisor and then keep going higher. And then the ultimate is wake up one day and even though you're in the mail, clerk, start acting like if you're the CEO of that company. What responsibilities do you have? Like when I became a CEO, I have 427 employees. I went from five employees to 427. That's a huge responsibility every day to know that every single person there feeds their family based on my ability to make good choices. So I teach the principle, be more, believe in yourself more, and then start doing what your being says you want to be. And that's when you start having what it is that you say you're gonna have. So I believe that it's because people have it wrong. They think that the circumstances in their lives is what's gonna make them successful. And you know, and I know, based on many interviews you've done, most successful influential people had to earn it. And they came from very uh, a, a place of humility that most people can't even imagine. But that's what happens. Most people allow the circumstances to become excuses and they stay where they are and they don't change anything. Therefore, they're living a life of insanity. They say they want something different, but they're not willing to be and do and have something different. Therefore, they find themselves in the same place 10 years later or worse.
0: Wow. And, and Lana just ordered your book. So we know we made you got paid a little bit (laughs) i love it thank you for that thank you so you know i have a friend that runs the um suicide hotline for the state of ohio and and when the pandemic hit like it just skyrocketed and 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 how, how what do you say to somebody that's just barely hanging on right now and they're thinking what's the
1: point what's the point of moving on You know, it's interesting because our mental health, like I said, is at an all-time high. The stress levels in our lives are at an all-time high. And what I would tell somebody is to do not value your life for what you have. I lost one of my neighbors that was a stock trader in New York City. Uh, The guy was making seven figures. And when the stock market dropped and all of a sudden they lost a lot of money, He committed suicide and he had a beautiful wife and two beautiful children, all because his value was based upon how much money his bank account said. Mm. I often tell people that your value does not come from what you have. It comes from who you are. Right. It's so funny. Les Brown recently, I was talking to him and he says to me something. He says, you know, Fab, during this pandemic, I learned something. I was doing all these businesses and trying to make as much money to try to leave a legacy for my children. And he said to me, Ken, this floor me. I finally realized that it's not what I leave behind for my children, but it's what I leave behind in my children. And what he started doing, he started spending time with his children and teaching them how to create their own businesses and asking them questions. What do you want to do? What do you want to be? So that way they can be independent and earn their own income instead of depending on daddy's money to be able to support my family today. And that was an eye opener for me. And I started investing more in my children than ever because I realized he was right. It's not what we live for them, it's what we live in them. So I would have told my neighbor, hey man, you got two beautiful children that idolize you, an incredible wife that praises you. Why do you ever think that they value how much money you have? People going ups and downs. People uh, go through bankruptcies all the time. It's okay. We'll get through this. But at least you're here with us. Don't go anywhere.
0: You know. Wow. So powerful. Fab. I, I'm. I know you gotta gotta go off to that other network. So. Uh... <laughs>
1: The than network. Look, like, come on, let's be honest.
0: The, the, uh, yeah, um, where we you won't be able to talk about lovemaking there. So, um, <laughs> I love hey, What that. do you
1: think? I dressed up, you know? <laughs> no, just kidding.
0: I love it, man. I, 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 I do want to have you back someday. I, I, I you're an amazing, amazing person. Um, how does everybody, I know we have drfabmancini.com. Where do they follow you? Where, what's the best place to get more It's interesting
1: because all of my domains are drfabmancini. So if you go to my website, uh, not only am I going to give you, uh, a, a lot of resources for you to be healthy and happy and personal development. I used to charge Ken $500 for that and I'm giving it away now. You just go there, enjoy them. And you'll see some of my interviews that I do in my TV series and my podcast that are amazing, but you got over a thousand hours of content that can help support you. And then also one of the things we didn't get to talk about, what is really, I created six nutritional solutions for the six most common conditions during the pandemic, which is a lack of energy, lack of sleep, the fact that your immune system is struggling, the fact that you've gained weight, the average American has gained 25 pounds the fact that your brain health is suffering because of all the stressors, and now we're getting forgetful and dementia and Alzheimer's is setting in. All of those resources are available to you at a discount because I want people to feel as healthy as possible. And I spent a year developing this with one of the top formulators in the country for you because I want you to understand that your health is a foundation to your success. And when you invest in your health, you can sustain your success, but if you don't, you will sabotage it. And that's the reason that I created that. So if you go to that website, you can reach me in Instagram, in Facebook, in Twitter, in, in LinkedIn, everywhere. And also enjoy the resources that I created for you.
0: Everybody go there. I, I mean, go. because And that's one of the other things that I, I've noticed about you is you're very open and accessible, like you just, you want to help people. And I, I, I just love that about you, man. You're, you're, you're an amazing human.
1: You know what I learned, Ken, uh, because I've been privileged uh, to meet some of the most influential people in the world. Some of those people are not very accessible and they some of them are not even nice, but the ones that I look up to the most is the ones that have taught me a great lesson that my mother and my father have always instilled in me. And that is humbleness. You know, I'm here as a resource. My value comes as a way of sharing and gifting and, and helping others. Uh, so when you understand that in life, regardless of where you are in your journey to success, whether you are just starting your company or whether you've been out there for a while, always remember that it's not about you. I'll never forget. I got this award one year. It was called Hero for Humanity. It was the Dalai Lama and myself. So I called my mom. I said, Mom. You won't believe this. I got nominated. I got this award. And she says, honey, remember that it's not about you. (laughs) Remember what we taught you. It's about what you do for others. And she does that every time. I became the youngest president of a college and university in the United States, mom. You know, honey, remember. Oh, mom, the president of Mexico just honored me with the name of the library and their new (laughs) library in Mexico City. Mom, They haven't done that ever. It's the first person that is not Mexican or a political figure that has a federal building named after him. Honey, remember that it's not about you. So that is something that honestly I wish we would Uh, talk more about with our children, that we would talk more about with our partners, that we would talk more about with our employees, that we're here to serve. Because when you serve, you can not survive. There is no survival. Whenever you're serving. And that's a big lesson that I've learned early on in my life. And the reason that I continue to be able to do what I do. Wow.
0: The biggest name drop of all time, the
1: Dalai Lama.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Oh my gosh. I love your mother and I've not even met her. I love you'll I meet love her. Your Next time
1: she's in town, we're gonna we're gonna uh, connect with you somehow. I, I I'm so excited. Fab,
0: I know you have to go. Let me end the live stream. And I want to say thank you for being here and sharing your heart, your wisdom. You're an amazing human being. Everybody, make sure you go follow Fab. on. Go to Dr. Fab Miancini. I'm sure all of your social media is linked from there. Fab, thank you so much. I really genuinely appreciate you. God bless you. Thank you so much, Ken. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you guys. Stay with me, Fab, if you would. See you guys later.